0: Welcome to Police Stories Podcast. This is episode 15, a series of short stories about my 28-year career in the UK police force. So, I was coming towards the end of my probation. When you first join the police, you have uh, two years um, in which you would uh, basically learn the ropes and there's a series of things you have to achieve in that time so you'd be expected to do a certain amount of various things perhaps have some attachments with different um, units and sort of specialisms and things and at the end of the two years you're signed off that's your probation out of the way and uh, you're officially kind of allowed to move onwards and upwards and if you want to you know you might choose to stay on response for years if not your whole career answering 999 calls it's certainly the most uh, varied place there is Um, but I had originally moved about uh, an hour, around about an hour's drive away from where I actually lived to first start working, Um, although I had uh, lived there for 10 years previously, so I definitely had a bit of an advantage working in a place that I knew fairly well. But I wanted to move back a bit closer to home, so having completed my first couple of years of service, I decided that uh, I was going to put in for a transfer, and that's not Uh, different forces although I did go on to do that twice but uh, this was just to a different uh, police station you know within my force so it's quite an easy process Um, depending on you know kind of resources at the time in your force and various different specialisms and things um, you know sometimes it can be fairly quick you know you might be gone within a, a month or two you know and other times you know people are still waiting after a year because for example their uh area won't release them to another area because they're just too short and they can't replace etc so it can be easy it can be hard but certainly when i did it on this first move it was relatively easy and um within about three months of putting into transfer um i was uh i was on my way and i was moving down to uh a coastal town uh in southern uk um Somewhere I knew reasonably well. I'd spent a fair bit of time there as a kid um, when I was on my summer holidays from school. Um, Not the nicest place, um, directly south of London pretty much, and uh, a very easy route from London uh, to that particular seaside town, which meant that it did have a lot of the same issues as London, only a lot less cops to deal with them. So on my first morning, Um, I used to ride a motorbike, in fact I've virtually always had a motorbike, they're very sort of handy to get around through traffic and through work, I always enjoyed riding bikes, so I had a bike at the time, and um, I set off for my first morning at my new police station, Uh, and although I had a couple of years in, you know, I very much expected to be the new boy at that point, Um, it was an early turn, so I think I was either a 6 or 7am start, so I set off on my bike, uh, typically, now I'm very rarely late for anything, but I was running quite tight for time. And uh, on this morning, I think there was an issue on the way as well in terms of traffic, uh, an accident or something. Uh, whatever reason, I was delayed slightly. So the last thing I wanted to do on my first morning was be late, obviously. Um, so I was definitely uh, pushing the speed limits a bit, to say the least, on my bike. And um, as I got closer into towards the town, Um, I suddenly came across a really, really slow car Um, and uh, it was kind of at or below the speed limits most of the time. It was kind of 25 mile an hour in a 30 and it was driving me crazy and uh, there was about another four or five cars stacked behind it and I was like that is all I need. Now I've got kind of Mother Teresa driving in front of me. I'm going to be late on my first morning. This is not a good start. Um, So I decided I was going to overtake and I wasn't just gonna overtake one car, I was gonna overtake this entire line of cars and get past this, um, this very slow one in front. So when the opportunity arose, I gunned the bike and basically sped past these five uh, cars in a row, and also um, the wrong side a of sort of keep left bollard. So broke a few rules, but really wanted to get to work on time. Um, so as I went past The last car in the line, I noticed that uh, it fairly quickly sped up with me and kind of sped up to keep up with me. And I was thinking, what is he playing at? You know, why is he sped up now? You know, all that time going slow. And as soon as I go past, and I could only conclude that, you know, maybe I'd uh, pissed him off basically by overtaking him. So I sped up a bit more, and so did he. And by this time, we're now kind of 20 odd mile an hour over the limit. Um, But I thought, well, I've got to get to work. I just need to get to work. So I carried on going and this car got closer and closer. Now he's flashing his headlights at me and he's waving something out the window, which I couldn't really make out. And I thought, I must have really hacked this guy off. Um, And then as he closed up on me and my mirrors on my motorbike, I could see that uh, it was a police hat he was waving out the window. So I was thinking, oh no, you know, it's going to be someone who's in the job. Um, You know, this is not good uh, because they're almost certainly heading for the same place I am. So uh, he was continuing to flash his light. So I pulled over and out steps an inspector in full uniform, promptly sort of puts his hat on and comes marching towards me. And I was like, oh, no, this is this is not a good start. Of course, his opening line was the classic, you know, where's the fire? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm really sorry, sir. Uh, you know, I didn't want to be late for uh, the morning, you know. Well, where do you work? You know, so I said, um... At the police station. And he was like, what? I don't recognise you. I'm based there and I don't know you. And I said, yeah, I'm just uh, starting today. he went, oh, oh, you must be Dave. And I was like, "Uh, yes, yes, that's me. He said, pleased to meet you. I'm your new inspector. So I was thinking this morning could not start any worse. I've now just overtaken uh, my new inspector and uh, come to notice for all the wrong reasons. Anyway, he gave me a bit of a ticking off and uh, we continued on so uh and years later we had a chuckle about it because he came became a good friend of mine so it was okay but not the most auspicious start so uh i meet my new sergeant and it all seems well and i meet the team and i get crewed up with um a new girl on my team who i didn't know knew nothing about and then we went to load up our car for the day and as i was heading towards my car i um I put my sort of kit bag in the back and one of the things I had on the top was like a leather wallet um, and it contained all my sort of things when you stop vehicles, so sort of traffic tickets, which I generally try to avoid, but it also had sort of stop and search forms and things like that. And the girl I was working with noticed this and she said to me, oh, what have you got that for? You know, and I said, well, Stopping cars, you know, which is very much the the bread and butter of policing. If you get the opportunity, you know, if you get downtime, really, you should be stopping cars because you're obviously trying to make some self generated work and find some crime. You know, people up to no good. That's that's the whole idea. So I said, well, you know, obviously it's for stopping cars. And she went, oh, do you stop cars then? Oh, I don't really like doing that. And I thought, what? You know, doesn't like doing that. I was thinking who on earth have I been crewed up with here? I was thinking they put me with some lame duck. It's my first day and it's a test or something. So I kind of smiled sweetly. I was like, "All oh, right, okay, okay. Yeah, um, well, we'll see, you know. So anyway, we jump in the car. She was driving and she was telling me that uh, she hadn't long got a Blues and Twos permit, which we were talking about last week. And I already had mine. I'd had it now for, I don't know, six months or a year or something. Uh, but she was driving. You know, I didn't know the town as well as she did, obviously. And she was driving me around, showing me the sort of highlights and also the good and bad spots, which, of course, there was uh, more bad than good. Um, And I can't remember what the call was, but a a grade one call came, basically a a call that you would, you know, blue light run to. Um, So I said, oh, right, should we take that? And she was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine, we'll take that. We were on the seafront, we were heading towards a set of traffic lights. So I said, right, I'll I'll stick the sirens on. So I put the sirens on, put the blue lights on. The traffic lights have gone red in front of us and... um, Rather than going up the outside and then through the red lights carefully, you know, and carrying on to this job, she pulled in behind the cars in front, you know, that were at the red light. Yet we were still sat there with our blues and twos on, our sirens going and our blue lights flashing. Cars in front of us were kind of not sure what to do because they were like, do you want to stop me? Do you want to come past? I don't know. And while we were sat there and I was thinking, what is she doing? Um, two or three more marked cars came hammering up the outside with their blues and twos on straight through the red lights, as we should have, and carried on. And all this girl could say was, oh, no, now I'm going to be a laughing stock." You know, I should have gone through that. And I was thinking, yep, yeah, you 100% should have. I mean, I don't know what she was thinking, but, you know, my uh, expectations of this girl were going downhill rapidly. Um, But, you know, you meet uh, different people in your career, some good, some bad. So um, that's just how it is. So eventually uh, the lights went green and we pulled off and blues and carried on to this job. And I can't remember what it was. It was fairly unexciting um, and and not very memorable. Um, but anyway, later on in the day, they said to me, uh, oh, uh, she's got to go off and do something else. Um, so you're just going to be single crude now, which is quite a common thing, uh, certainly down south. It, it very rarely, if ever, happens in Scotland. And there's another legal reason for that, which we'll discuss when we come on to But um, certainly in England and Wales, you know, the sort of norm quite often is uh, single crewing. So I found myself on my own and uh, I was basically just chugging around, getting to know the town and uh, figuring out what was going on. And I was on the seafront carrying on, sticking with the speed limit as so I was in a marked car. And this motorbike came up the outside of me, well over the speed limit and came hammering up alongside me. And I saw him coming in my mirror. And I thought, what is he doing? You know, can he not see I'm a marked car yet? You know, talk about cheeky, he's about to overtake me at some significant speed over the uh, the speed limit. You know, he must want a car chase. But um needless to say, he actually pulled up alongside me while we're still going. So I'm going like 30 mile an hour, he's beside me, also going 30 mile an hour, waving his arms furiously at me. Uh so I sort of wound down the window and I was like, what are you playing at? What do you want? You know, and he said, Pull over, pull over, I need to speak to you. So I pull over and I stop the car fairly quickly and he pulls in beside me, he doesn't jump off his bike. But he says, there's a bloke back there with a machete. I've seen him on the seafront. I think he's just smashed a window. You need to go and sort it out, you know, or something like that. So I was like, OK, right. I was thinking, oh, crap, I'm single crew here as well. This is not ideal. And obviously this is a, a big problem with single crewing, but it's all down to resources, unfortunately. Um, so I said, right, OK, so he carried on, didn't bother to stop or give me a statement or anything, which is a shame because it would have been good evidence. I did a quick uh, uh, U-turn on the seafront, headed back down towards where this guy supposedly was, uh, hoping that he'd stand out fairly well. He described him to me very briefly, just said he was black, he had a machete and a black jacket and really short-cut hair. Um, so I was thinking, well, obviously, if you've still got a machete, hopefully I'll spot him. So very quickly, I see a guy that fits the description perfectly, um, even with the machete still in his hand. Obviously, I'll put it up on the radio and I'm asking for more units. And in an ideal world, you probably would have held off and waited for some more units to get to you. Um, bearing in mind, he's got a machete and I'm by myself. Um, so, But I, I basically pretty much drove right into this guy, you know, so I was, I had no choice. And by now, he's walked across the road and the traffic has stopped. It's very clear what he's got in his hands. So I was thinking, I'm going to have to get out and deal with him. So... I stand up and I can hear the sirens coming in the distance, which is always a nice sound, as we've discussed before. And uh, I step out of my car and, trying to sound a lot tougher than I actually was, drew my baton out and shouted at him, stand still, put the weapon down. At which case, amazingly and thankfully, uh, that's exactly what he did. He basically dropped the machete with a big clatter into the gutter. So I ran up to him. Uh, got hold of him, spun him round, kind of uh, got him bent over on the the bonnet of the nearest car and uh, managed to get handcuffed. So he was compliant, you know, he dropped the machete and he wasn't actively fighting me, but he was just, um, you know, kind of making life a bit difficult for me and struggling a little bit, but nothing too terrible. So I managed to get cuffs on by myself, which was good. And um, I thought, well, I need to give him a quick pat down. Um, to make sure that, you know, he hasn't got anything else on him. You know, for all I know, he could have another weapon on him, bearing in mind by myself, although now he's in cuffs, so that's good. Um, so I, I lean over top of him and I put my hand down um, firstly around his waistband, start searching that, and then I start from his shoulders and start going down across the chest area, sort of patting and also kind of rubbing. You shouldn't really pat because as you pat across someone's body, whether it's their shoulder blades, their chest, their waist or whatever – you are actually missing bits. So really you should rub your hand across whatever it is you're searching part of the body. Of course, that always um, gets them angry and, you know, you get invariably get the abuse for why you touch me up, etc. But obviously from a searching point of view, you have to do it. And, you know, and you, and you say, you can't really afford to pat because you can miss things. And uh, as I rubbed my hand directly across his chest, he said to me in a very deep voice, Like, overly deep. Are you allowed to do that? And I realised that as I was rubbing my hand across his chest, I was feeling a very large pair of breasts. So I immediately kind of recoiled in horror. But also, it wasn't really computing, because this, uh, to all intents and purposes, guy, you know, just did not look like a female in any way to me. And bearing in mind we're talking now, you know, kind of 20 seven, no, twenty-eight years ago. Um, things like, you know, people transitioning and that was just unheard of at that point. Um, and like I say, uh absolutely if you'd have seen this person, you would have never thought they were female in any way. Um anyway, it turns out there was no transitioning or whatever, it was a full-on female. And I just bent her over the bonnet of the car and basically rubbed my hands right across her chest. So I was just waiting for the complaint to come in and also thinking, how how can I miss this anyway? And it turns out she'd had a big domestic with her girlfriend and she had actually the the motorcyclist who'd first uh, waved me down was correct. She'd had this argument with her girlfriend. She'd smashed the front window of her flat um, with this machete and basically waved it about and shouted and screamed. So I nicked her. She got nicked for criminal damage and possession of offensive weapon Um, And it turns out then she was wanted, as I found out when I did a a check on the radio, she had a warrant outstanding, so there was an arrest warrant too. So she came in for three different offences. But I was still, you know, kind of horrified that I'd effectively sort of touched up this this woman without realising. But once the uh, initial kind of um, excitement had died down, by now I had two or three other police units with me she was taken away to custody and I went down to the flat and took a statement from uh, the woman, you know, who'd had her front window smashed and her flat kind of attacked. We had out the Socco the Scenes of Crime, who then took photos, you know, of the uh, the smash window at the front and also the machete, which was uh, ditched quite neatly into the gutter beside uh, where I'd stopped her initially. So all in all, it was quite a tidy little case. I mean, it could have gone horribly wrong, but um, thankfully um, it was actually reasonably straightforward she never did make a complaint I went to see her later in custody in fact I interviewed her and I explained you know and she was like again in a very deep voice "Yeah, I get that a lot you know when I sort of said Lot, like, I'm really sorry I, I genuinely didn't realize you you know you were female um, but uh, yeah and bearing in mind I was young as well you know I was kind of 22 23 at this point I mean it did make me cringe you know I really uh, was fairly embarrassed to say the least. So it was quite an interesting job to start with, uh, it was quite an eventful first day. I had my concerns initially about the the colleague they put me with um, but it turns out that um, it wasn't just me that had those concerns. My new colleagues also uh, had their concerns about this, uh, this cop and uh, the bottom line is she just wasn't very good, she just wasn't cut out for it uh, and she didn't last that long. Um, in the police, um, and, and that was pretty apparent from having met her. But then obviously I went on for the afternoon to work by myself and and had this incident, which was quite a big incident by anyone's standards, to be honest with you, it certainly got me noticed as a, as a job to have on my first day. And hopefully my colleagues realised that I probably was able to handle myself to a degree, having dealt with this job. Um, and then, of course, uh, meeting my inspector in not the ideal circumstances on the way. So, yeah, one way or another, I got noticed on my first day, not necessarily for good things, but uh, hey-ho, you know, it is what it is. I've got a few more stories uh, from my time at this particular station. I ended up staying there another couple of years or so, and I went on eventually to the tutor unit where I was dealing uh, with the the new um, cops that were coming in that were then being looked after in their first sort of 10 weeks specifically by a, a tutor unit set up to um, you know to teach them the ropes to start with um, it, something I really enjoyed doing actually uh, it was really good fun um, occasionally again you did get the old lane duck through and um, really really difficult even at that stage to get rid of cops you know if they just weren't up to it it did happen twice over the sort of uh, two-year period I was doing it um, and it's not very nice to sort of write up unpleasant things not unpleasant things truthful things but you know things that you knew were basically going to cause this person problems. But on both occasions, these cops were just not up to it. Um, you know, one of them knew it. And in fact, when we sat down and had a chat about it, he said to me, look, you know, I've um, I've been having the same concerns myself. I'm not really enjoying it. I don't really think I'm up to it. Um, so he kind of pretty much agreed that he was just going to resign and put his papers in, which was the best thing all round for everyone. Um, Another one who absolutely fought against it, tooth and nail. She didn't uh, want to know at all. I always knew that she was going to be a problem. Um, Day one when I met her, she said to me, um, her opening line was, what degree do you have? Uh, and i said well i don't i've never been to university you know and i said hey, what about yourself you know have you been oh yes yeah i've got a law degree and i was like wow you know a law degree that's that's really good that that'll hopefully come in handy any sort of particular area you know that you specialize in like criminal law or something you know because that'd be really useful you know no conveyancing Well, conveyancing is selling houses so i was like right okay well we don't sell a lot of houses on the Tuesday. you know i've got to be honest um and she kind of rolled her eyes at me this is literally the first five minutes i've met this girl um so i just knew it wasn't going to go well and it didn't and we'll talk about that in uh, a bit more depth on another episode so that's it for now A little bit of a shorter one again episode 15 done and dusted thanks very much for the downloads hit a bit of a milestone this week um made 500 downloads which uh, isn't a lot i know compared to most podcasts but for me it's fantastic and uh I do thank you all for listening and hopefully it will continue to be interesting for you. Thanks very much. I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye.